Hello and welcome to another of Political Yeti's politics podcasts. I'm James Miller and on Queen's Speech Day I'm delighted to be joined by Ian Murray, the MP with the biggest majority in Scotland. We need a jingle for that. After, well, you're all right. uh, after winning Edinburgh South again at the election. Hello, welcome back. Thank you very much. And I am joined by Lindsay Razak, a Westminster correspondent for the Press and Journal and columnist for the Sunday Post. Hello. Um, let's start with the election. Let's talk about your new Labour MPs. You are the godfather of the uh, Magnificent Seven, is that right, Ian? The Magnificent Seven, yeah. Uh, Six new colleagues. Yeah. You're going to ask me to name them all in their constituencies, aren't you? No, because yeah, hopefully you're not going to ask me that. <laughs> you should know that. I do know yeah. that. Yeah, I do know um, that. But it's not going to make for great listening. Just it's taken a while because I always, always get to five, and then I get to six, and I forget about me, which makes it seven. Oh, right. Oh, isn't that nice? Never mind. Um, but are you having to shepherd them around and look after them? And yeah, a little bit. Around? Yeah, there are six of them are currently all sitting in my very small office opening all their mail, which is a sight to behold. Have they not got offices yet? No. <laughs> Oh, they don't okay. get offices straight away, it takes a while for it to... Yeah, but they're supposed to... Like, didn't the parliamentary authority say we'd get you set up within two weeks or something? They, yeah, they've they got, said they've this got touchdown offices. Touchdown offices? Yeah, so they can go in okay. and have someone to plug their laptops and things in, but they don't have anything else. <laughs> so they've got plugs. So they're all, they're all charging camp, points. Yeah, they've got charging points. They're also they're camped out... Seven of us are camped out in my office. Right, OK. And seemingly it's because, which is an unfortunate thing to say, but people who lose their seats have a week to clear out. Yes, that's true. And that's why there's no offices at the moment. I saw... Yes. Uh, some of the SNP MPs who lost their seats earlier was it last week? Last week, I think, down to to clear out their old. Yes, offices. look out for. Uh, I got a piece in the House Magazine about losers this week, uh, shameless, including shameless plug. Poor, poor Phil Boswell, who was sitting there, and people kept coming up to him. You know, the baristas and stuff, going, "Oh, welcome back! Brilliant to see you!" And he had to keep going. No, no, I lost. Ouch. And they were going, ah, good one, ha, ah. And he's like, no, oh, I no. actually lost. <laughs> uh, it was a bit awkward. I would really wish that I on would, anyone. I would not want to have to come back if I was an MP and then I'd lost my seat. Yeah, the strategy is if you lose to get down here that weekend when there's nobody here, clear out your office and disappear. Yeah, but, that's the best thing. I mean, is it hard not to gloat, Ian? Yes, it's hard not to gloat. I mean, given... You know, these people won, obviously, on the SNP tsunami last time. Can I tell you why I have been gloating? A little because, bit. Because, because they have given me hell for the last two years. Really? They have been singularly unpleasant. Who? And now the SNP members, and, and now one or two of them, including the former First Minister losing his seat, yeah. is a joy to behold. Because <laughs> they've been so dreadful. They've just been dreadful. Uh, particularly Alex Hammond was, has been awful to me in the last two years. So to see him lose his seat, you know, what, I, I can gloat a little bit, I'm sure. In what way was he awful? Did he like put your head down the toilet and give you a wedgie and stuff like that? Uh, not quite as literally as that, but yes. Right. I mean, he, he was he, he was quite unpleasant. He's a very magnanimous and generous man. I find this very hard to believe. The man, he doesn't have a journalists love him. He has no reputation for anything other than being delightful. You need a jingle for that. Surprise! <laughs> what the big fat lie jingle? <laughs> um, the, key, the key thing for me though about the election in terms of Scotland is just the equilibrium being restored a bit. So. In P and J land before I had eleven SNP MPs, one Lib Dem. Yeah. Now I've got five Tory, five uh, SNP, and two Lib Dems. No Labour, but not uh, yet. We're working on that. Indeed. But, yeah. Um, I mean, Roger Mullen is a good friend of this podcast, and he is a nice man. I wouldn't have a bad word said against him. But there is something strangely satisfying about Fife being red again. Somehow that's just the natural order of things, right? Um, but yes, you haven't got any Labour in your territory, of course. It's all the Tories there. 
It is. Um, yeah, they did. They did really, really well in the northeast, and we thought they were going to, but we didn't think they'd do quite as well as they actually did. And places like Murray and uh, Gordon, where Sand yeah. and Robertson lost out, that um, I, I didn't predict that. I thought it would, there would be. I thought the SNP would hang on narrowly. Mm. Um, but well, they had huge majorities, but of course it turns out, as in 2015, exactly. a huge majority is no, doesn't, is, count doesn't count against the huge a forces. Majority of means absolutely nothing. Oh, it says the man with the biggest majority. Well, how come you've been going around crowing about having the biggest majority in Scotland? No, other people have been crowing, I haven't. I, I, think, uh, I think majorities these days in, in modern politics are built on sand. I think they, they genuinely mean very little. For now. That might change again, though, don't you think? Don't you think, as you say, there's a sort of old-style politics kicking in again? Stephen has. Yes, both his majority. Yeah, yeah so um, I think, yeah. But you'd feel less secure, I think, if you had a majority of two than if you had but don't you what, think, several thousand. Yes, absolutely. But a 15 and a half, just for the record. <laughs> oh, OK. But don't you think exactly with, as you say, a more balanced picture in your patch and across Scotland to some extent... Um, it's a sort of return to old-style politics in Scotland, perhaps. Are we beginning to get over the independence divisions and seeing... Or is it still very much oh, no, I don't, I unionists don't, I mean, and separatists? I don't, I don't think so. I think there's still very much a dividing line um, between, between people. But there was a sense, being up there during um, the campaign, there was a sense that quite a few people are just fed up of hearing about it. Even some people who are actually in favour of independence. Mm. I, think, I think potentially we will see it being part for a a short time. Well, exactly. I sort of feel like, as you say, people were elected this time round very much on a unionist or a separatist ticket, if you want to call that separatist, not the best choice of words. But um, but once they're here and start doing stuff, so the Scottish Labour people start doing Labour policies, the Tories are in government, um, that might lead to a return of old-style politics. And when the Tories stand again, they will stand on the basis of Tory policies. Not They won't be able to stand as pure unionists. They will be held account for everything the Tory government does. Mm. I, guess that, I guess that depends on how Brexit goes and then how the SNP respond. True enough. There's a really interesting dynamic in all of that, the 12 Tory MPs from Scotland in particular, because they were essentially tied as Ruth Davidson's candidates. All mm. the leaflets in my constituency were, here is Ruth Davidson's candidate. There was no Conservative on any of them. But they're going to have to vote on the lobbies because that's where the Tory majority comes from. Yeah. So Ruth Davidson's going to have to take responsibility because the Ruth Davidson's candidates, for her candidates who are now MPs, being essentially lobby fodder for a Tory government with a tiny majority. Yes, I saw a good piece saying that evil is not the issue, it's the West Lothian question that's the issue. Bizarrely, it's back because, as you say, these people make a huge chunk of allowing Theresa May to govern. It's yeah. going to come down to this. I mean, evil is still irrelevant, of course, because they've got a majority in England. Yes, and because everyone gets a vote at third reading anyway. Indeed. So English, anyway, lots of people don't understand. Let's not go back into evil. Let's do oh, God, that, let's, let's just say, that us. Let's just say, Pete Wisher liked evil, now he doesn't. I don't know if he likes it again now. I have no idea. Oh, OK. Well, we'll, we'll get Pete on and ask him uh, sometime. Uh, he's back, of course. MP4 survived. Are you exactly. happy to know, happy about that? It's a bit of a catch-21, really. <laughs> it was, it was, there has been a bit of a changing of the guard, though, hasn't there? Because yes. three of the six who were... Six SNP MPs who were there pre 2015 have gone. Yes. Angus Robertson, Amy Whiteford, and Mike Weir. So there's only three. And Alex Salmond, who also was obviously experienced, well, indeed, albeit he was indeed. technically a new MP last time round, but he's indeed, huge yeah. experience. I noticed um, Stuart Hosey's been left out of uh, Ian Blackford's front bench team. Yes, indeed. Although there are suggestions he may be getting some kind of other job. It looks highly likely he's going to be on Treasury Committee, as he was before. That seems to be, uh, that made sense, and it seems to people have, apparently Blackford said that this morning. Um, so he's not been dumped, he's just been. No, but it was it was interesting. There was an interesting dynamic there yesterday when they were announcing the front bench team. He was standing very much apart yeah. from everybody, which yeah. seemed, seemed rather strange. There is some interesting things going on because only three SNP MPs, of course, didn't get jobs. Hosey, 
Cow- uh, Ronnie Cowan and John McNally. But uh, yeah. yeah, that's um, something. Maybe we'll save that up for another occasion to talk about that and get an SNP MP on to figure out what's going on there. But there's certainly interesting things going on in the SNP group. Good for I me, would... though. Two PN- PNJ MPs are as yes, leader and Yes, of course, absolutely. I would suggest just on that that the SNP have been group has been more interesting in the last two weeks than they were in the previous two years fair to say well i think i think i think it it will be this parliament will be more interesting i think True. definitely going forward and uh, to that end of course we had a queen's speech today um which was thin the low-key version yeah the low-key version yes it wasn't really a speech was it well it's never a speech because it was just sort of it, there was nothing in it well it fell short of a speech in my view was there nothing in it? People keep saying there's nothing in it, right? It was the Queen's musings. <laughs> I'd love to hear the Queen's musings. Um, there was something in it, and that was Brexit. Yeah, that was yeah. The that's the only thing in it, really, isn't yeah. it? Let's be eight, honest. Eight of the 27 bills are Brexit bills. And of the other, what's that, 19, most of them are a bit silly and not really up to much. Are they? It's all about Brexit for the next two years, because we've got a two-year parliament, or two-year session. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, late night votes. Are you looking forward to that? We can have some late night votes. Well, maybe not because they can guillotine program motions and everything. So they'll determine late night votes on the basis of how many people they can keep here or get back. I would have thought. Yeah. Things are on a knife edge. But there's going to be more of that, right? There's going to be more oh, yeah, jiggery pokery with yeah. exactly parliamentary tactics will be maximised in order to try and find a way through defeating the government and some of this stuff. Which does, I suppose, beg the question. Um, you would want somebody with experience on your front bench. So why are you not Shadow Scottish Secretary? Well, it's not a question I can answer, really. I reached out to Jeremy and uh, said that after the election, congratulated him on a fantastic election result and said that I'd be happy to have a chat with him and help him out if necessary. And the rest is written in history, really. So I'll what, go to the back benches and well, maybe not quite as harsh as that, but, you, <laughs> but, know, you know, metaphorically speaking. Metaphorically speaking, speaking yeah. Okay. So I've had wedges, heads down toilets and metaphorical fingers. It's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I thought you'd be happy you've got new, but, new people in ter- to, to play in terms with. in terms of the, the Queen's speech, yes. um, the interesting thing will be that if you've got essentially no majority and an opposition who's going to use every single lever they can to try and upset your programme, mm. the best thing for the Tories to do would be to reach out. So there's no point in them losing bills or losing fundamental parts of bills, so they should just reach out and try and find some kind of consensus. All right, well, let's, let's just, as you say, the opposition are going to, or should be trying to cause as much mischief, and uh, mischief may be the wrong word, doing their job is what they should be doing. Is the opposition up to it? I mean, obviously, Jeremy Corbyn had a good election result, but he was rubbish before the election in the well, chamber. We're, we're and emboldened. I'm not seeing any evidence that that's necessarily going to change. Yeah, we're certainly emboldened. Yeah. All of these bills will... I mean, Keir Starmer will do most of the bills around Brexit, I would have thought. I don't know if each individual bill will go into individual departments. I would doubt it. I think they'll all sit with Brexit and yeah. trade. So um, so who knows? Um, we'll just have to see what happens. But the, the, the opposition's emboldened, so and the Tories are flat. Yes. And in, in fear True. of another election. So we'll see what happens. Uh, they're you very look- powerful, these backbenchers. Tory backbenchers are hugely powerful now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, they're all in charge. Somebody said this morning they're all in charge. And yes, which we're all in charge yeah, now. We're all in charge now. <laughs> <laughs> are you looking forward to this uh, nonsense? Although you'll be sitting a, a significant chunk of it out, I suppose. Indeed, but, indeed. Um, well, from October. But uh, yeah. but yeah, no, no, looking forward to it. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, whether there's any sort of alliances between uh, Lib Dems, Labour, SNP on specific issues. Um, Ian Blackford hinted yesterday that um, 
you know, they'd be quite happy to take down the Tory government if the chance arose. I don't know whether that suggests they've got plans to do that or not. But um, I think for me, the fishing and agriculture ones will be quite interesting uh, in terms of the Brexit bills. Um, the fishermen today seem happy that, you know, that's been given a priority, a separate bill. Um, oh. But worryingly for, for the farmers in the um, agriculture bill, um, oh, yeah. there's a reference to uh, creating a self-reliant sector. Oh, so hello. I, I don't know whether, mm, yeah. uh, whether that, I mean, it, it also talks about su supporting the farmers, but yeah. and the subsidies are guaranteed up to, I think, is it 2022? Yes. But I just wonder what will, what will happen beyond that and whether that's an indication of what, what we might see longer term. Good Perhaps spot. Not. Yeah, but well, that's a good spot. That could be a bit of a worry. Uh, yes, fish. We always need to keep talking about fish around Brexit. It's very strange. I well, I mean, a lot of the Tories in the North East, I mean, I mean people, it, it, people like David Duker in Banff and Buchan and yeah. uh, Douglas Ross in Murray, where the support for Brexit was high. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that that's essentially seems to be what won them the election. And yes. Supporting those coastal well, communities. The, the Tories it seems uh, to have come good for them because there's a sea of opportunity, isn't there? As we're told, copyright every, Ramsey Jones. <laughs> as uh, we're told at every event yeah. that we go to, uh, but it is odd that you fish you seem to keep talking about fish around Brexit. It's one of those strange things. But I saw David Mandel earlier who said, "Well, it's tangible, isn't it? It's, you know, you can understand. You can't understand nuclear safety, whereas you can understand fish." fish. And as he said, "I've held a fish." Well done, you, David. Uh, <laughs> Did it have chips next to it? <laughs> Apparently not. It's just hell. I don't know. I didn't go into the context of him holding a fish. But there you go. It, I, I, it was at, I think it was at Peterhead Fish Market during the campaign. Oh, was, you know exactly chips. when he held a fish. I think, I think it might have been then, yeah. Wow. That certainly would have been a good opportunity to hold a fish. Um, also in the Queen's speech, rather exciting, they're going to build a stronger economy. And it's going to be done by spaceships and electric cars. They've been promising to build a stronger economy since 2010. Yeah, but... And it seems to be getting worse. Well, it does seem a bit desperate to suggest the stronger economy will be based on electric cars yeah. and spaceships. Exactly. I mean, come on. I know... You do feel like a lot of this is in there to kind of bulk it out slightly. Yeah, I mean, spaceships yeah. are eye-catching. Everyone's writing the story about spaceships, but that's not really going to save the economy. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll... Well, John be... Redwood pilot one of these spaceships. The Vulcan John Redwood. The Vulcan John Redwood. Uh, he will really... he be boldly going... As long as it's British and he doesn't have to fly into any foreign airspace, exactly. <laughs> that'll be all right. Uh, there was some stuff on um, uh, counterterrorism as well, wasn't there? Yes. Be in the in the in the kind of you know not not well. In fact, there is a bill on it, isn't there? I can't remember if there's a bill or not, but there's certainly there's going to be. A, yeah, they're going to. It's going to be a review of counterterrorism and. Um, I like the data protection bill. <laughs> The, it's a bill to allow anyone under the this age of 18. This is why people put your head in the toilet. You you love this? Saying, I like the You're going to love this, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to allow anyone under the age of 18 or over the age of 18 to yeah. ask social media companies to delete the history for when they were younger than 18. Oh, that's a good thing. Isn't that great? Because I most people now who go for a job who'll be in their early 20s, oh, yeah. some of the social media stuff will be crippling. But I'd quite like to see that extended. To, to anyone. Well, yeah, if you're going for a job interview, you can have everything, everything wiped right. out. Because, you know, who knows what they wrote including, on Facebook. Twitter. Including SMPMPs. Well, yeah, they'd like it even better. Some of them. Well, the, the ones who are particularly wacky, of course, <laughs> are no longer MPs. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Paul Monet. Um Yeah, and I, also worth mentioning, I think, was the reference to the union. Right? Oh, yes, that's, yeah. Theresa May is still going big on the union. She is. Well, that is because she's got Tory MPs, or whether she genuinely... I think she genuinely cares Tory about MPs. it, right? Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she genuinely actually cares about it. She said this thing at this lunch yesterday about, you know, we might have screwed up everything in the election, but now I've got Scottish MPs, I might have saved the union. And she's taken the time to mention it in the Queen's speech. 
that fair? I think she genuinely... And she apparently, Ben Gummer was charged with telling all departments to think about Scotland at every opportunity before the election. Obviously, Ben Gummer won't be doing that now. I I mean, I don't know how she... I mean, who knows what she personally feels about anything because you never really get to see the real hurt, do you? True, yeah. But um, certainly, it seems, you know, opportunistic. Clearly, there was an opportunity in Scotland, so, you know... The, their, their campaign up there well, you know, was largely focusing on, on the union and, and yeah. no to another independence referendum. Um, and I guess the, I was talking to one of the new um, Tory, Scottish Tory MPs yesterday about this and actually you know, he was saying you know, the key thing is you know, we can't be complacent about this. Yeah. So maybe this is part of that you know, kind of continuing to, to continue to, to you know, ramp yeah, up the union to, rhetoric. To, surely the biggest threat to the union is still Brexit. Yes, I guess. So, well, so the, so the Prime Minister saying in the Queen's speech that she wants to protect the Union, whilst on the other hand, messing up Brexit. Well, we don't know if they've messed up Brexit. Well, we've had one day of uh, like one day of negotiations, and that didn't go very didn't well. They start the negotiations at eleven and then break for yeah. lunch at half two. I mean, it's like a cricket lunch. match. Well, I don't think. Did they should, rise I don't for think pleasure should, as they I do in the House of Lords? I don't think you should knock that. That's how it should be. People yeah, should yeah. start work late and have long lunches. Have and, long you know, I think lunches. you know this country was great when we used to do all that sort of stuff. We're clearly, for us. we're clearly in the wrong industry. Then, that and then, case. and then, oh, when I started, liquid oh, we used to have we used to have an hour and a half for lunch. Oh, it was amazing. Um, yeah, there were <laughs> they liquid were lunches. They were. Um, now all your listeners are going to be feeling sorry for us because none of us have an hour and a half for lunch. Well, I don't have an hour and a half for lunch these days, but I remember the days when you did. And when you, oh, anyway, that's a whole different podcast. Me reminiscing about old Fleet Street. We still talk about. Um, the absence of any reference to Donald Trump's state yes, visit. Yes, that's um, true. There, we do have one state visit uh, that's outlined. The King of Spain. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so we've got reference to to that state visit in July, but um, nothing about uh, no. Mr. Trump. But he he said, hasn't he? I, well, I don't know whether he said it, but certainly speculation is he's worried about huge protests when he. Well, when he comes over. to be fair to him, that is something he's right about because mm. there will be huge protests. Whenever, when he he, whenever he comes, there'll be protests. Yeah. So delaying it, I can't see how having um, it at a later date will, will well, lessen. Hopefully, lessen we won't have to have it at all, right? Indeed, Absolutely. unless he arrives in Scotland first. to visit one of his but, golf courses. But, but it's not just about Trump not being in the Queen's speech. There was other stuff in the Queen's speech. Where, where's the dementia tax and the grammar schools and the, yeah, well, all the promises? Out, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, well, they had to get dumped because the election went really badly, and I don't know if you remember noticed. They've released a manifesto on the arrogant basis that they would just win a huge majority and force all these unpopular things through and then they've gone, do you know what, that was a bad idea, let's drop them and hope nobody notices because we've got spaceships. Oh, we asked about that in the, in the briefing after, after the Queen's speech yeah. and uh, the line was that yes they're progressing towards them through this consultation that will yeah. still be happening and that's the same for the energy cap as well oh yes so yeah, she'll yeah. Care around the energy oh cap. yes of course uh, but grammars do seem to be com- completely gone um, yeah which and that was one of Theresa may's pet projects wasn't it that was something really close to her heart so apparently it was a completely mad thing to take up in the first instance frankly politically um, but that's but that's what i mean i think therefore it must be important to her personally that's true yeah bring it back it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it okay. was a huge political risk so we know one thing that's important to her and it was stupid so that doesn't bode well, does it? And spaceships and electric cars were in the previous Queen's speech. Were they? Point that out, yeah. We talked about. I know electric. We talked about spaceships on this. Well, very program. because they were having this competition. There's an interesting line there. I think they were having this competition to, to choose the UK spaceport, weren't they? Yes. And that's obviously all gone out the window now. Anybody can have a spaceport if you get a license. But it does bode the question of what happens at Presswick, which of course belongs to the SNP, if it becomes a spaceport. It belongs can, to the Scottish people. 
well, sorry, yes, because of the Scottish government. Uh, <laughs> can uh, can Nicola Sturgeon put her enemies in a spaceship and send them to the moon uh, if Presswick becomes or a, or a space some of her friends. Well, uh, well, yeah, but why would you send your friends to the moon? That wouldn't be very nice, would it? This is why, this is why people so give can, you wedges so put your head down the toilet. You don't understand how these things work. So she can chart her own course when it comes to a second independence referendum. Well, you've got to think. Uh, one more election that goes badly, Derek Mackay's going to be first on a rocket out of there, isn't he? Let's face well, it. That's the point I was making, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, really? he's not, oh, all right, I see your point. All right. Just about I don't know how some friends that she needs to jettison. Oh, okay. Um, right, listen, we, we better crack on because the Queen, we've got the Queen's Speech debate. It's going to start in a couple of minutes. So we need to do I Love Your Questions with the jingle that sounds like this. And last week, uh, Kirsty Blackman's question last week was um, fairly mundane, but sometimes they're the best ones. What is your favourite place to visit? I don't have to answer this. Yeah. You know how I love your questions work, don't you? You've been on enough. That's a strange question. It is a fairly... Uh, right, so my, my mother-in-law lives in Aberdeen. Yeah. So we'll rule that out. Oh, oh blimey. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Let's hope she's not listening. Absolutely. No, she won't. No, well, you know, she's not one of the twelve, surely. Um, my favourite place to visit. Yeah. Anywhere in the world. Yeah. I love New York. Oh, good choice. I love New York. Absolutely love New York. Great. So I'm a big city person. Love you know. I do actually like Aberdeen. To be fair. Me too. Are you just going to say Aberdeen, Lizzie? Because that's where, no, that's no, where no, your employees no, are. Uh, uh, probably Kenya, Nairobi, because that's where I grew up. Ah, okay. Still got lots of friends there. See. Sexy answers to these questions. New York, yeah, Kenya, Nairobi. Where's your favourite place, James? Favourite place to visit? Oh, I do like London, but I live here. I London in the heat when it's like this. There was like, uh, trains don't work, all the commuters are shouting at each other because nobody's slept all night. There's this massive tension oh, in there. I think it's fantastic. Nobody sleeps. It's just anger everywhere. It's be brilliant. Fair, you, can't, you cannot beat sort of a, a lovely summer's day in England, though, can you, when it's really warm? Well, I like, I, I genuinely quite like the city when everyone's not slept and they're all just angry. Yeah. It's like, we've all got this thing in common. Everyone's right. just... So here's a, here's, a, here's a good tip views. for your listeners, and yeah. it genuinely works. It's the old uh, uh, tactic of creating your own air conditioning unit by putting a wet uh, sheet over the window. Oh, okay. It, it genuinely works. I haven't tried it, but someone yeah. did day before yesterday and said it genuinely worked. Right, I will try that later. And they had a baby as well, and the baby slept too because of this thing. Cool. Right, we'll try that. Julie noticed. Julie noticed. Um, there we go, there's the bell which suggests the Parliament's about to sit again, and we're going to be all off and running again. Very quickly then, Ian, your question for next week's guest. Um, if you could have one bill of your own in your own Queen's speech, what would it be? Okay, very good. Okay, I will, and on that uh, note, I will say thank you to Ian Murray and uh, thank you to Lindsay Razak. Um, hopefully, we'll see you again before. Uh, I should have pointed I said you were going to miss a lot of this. It's because you're going off to have a baby. People might think something's going to happen to you. Um, I'll try and come back on before I go. Indeed. Uh, still some way off. Uh, so, yes, thank you to my guests. I am uh, at Political Yeti on Twitter. I am Political Yeti at gmail.com on the email. Or my website is james miller.com. Uh, next week, the return of the PMQs in review jingle, because it'll be the first PMQs, and hopefully will get a new BMP to give me their views. So tune in next week for another of Political Yeti's Politics Podcast. Thank you.